the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, we continue on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. The only thing that I have been uh, surprised about concerning the debates is they've already got out and started talking to independents to find out which candidates made uh, the most sense to independents. And uh, <coughs> the top two, number one was uh, Nikki. She scored very strong with independents. And number two was Chris Christie, which I was like, ooh, no. <laughs> Not my idea of who we want running on the Republican Party. But anyway, he scored high with independence. On the phone, Joe Wood, the uh, new chairman of the uh, Arkansas Republican Party. Joe, how are you today? Hey, Dave, Joseph here. Good to be with you. Having, I, well, I think I saw you last week. So um, We saw you Saturday. Last night. Saturday, there you go. But it was good debate. Glad to be with you this morning. How did you enjoy the debate sitting in the crowd? Um, I don't know what the television, what people saw on television in the crowd, though. It was pretty uh, electric in the uh, auditorium there. Pretty powerful. We were on the floor, and so you got a really a good chance to see and span around the entire auditorium and how people were responding and acting, uh, reacting to some of the, the comments from the speakers. Yeah, just kind of interesting. Uh, as I listen to the, uh, the debate, here's one thing that I do know. He wasn't there, but he was. President Trump was still there in spirit, correct? That's correct. That's correct. I mean, I really wish he was there, but I think it, it, overall the spirit of Trump, uh, President Trump was there for sure. So who who impressed you the most? I think your first uh, coming out talking about independence, I, I, I made a comment uh, before the debate with people I thought needed to do something, and I thought Nikki Haley needed to do something, and I think she did. She really did. I, I, I'm walking out of there listening to women, listening to even some of the men, that she was measured. Uh, she was heartfelt in her response. Uh, clearly, she went back uh, hitting uh, uh, Mr. Vivek on some of the foreign policy piece. But her abortion response, her foreign policy response, education, she, she really did kind of just really bring it and lift her game. And so I think she'll see some, some bumps in the uh, uh, polling after all right. Now, Seth is there, right, uh, as well. Yeah, is that correct? Let me talk to him just a second. I got a, a question I got to ask him. Hey, Seth, as you look at the debate last night, the uh, I would think that the thing that uh, we'll see from these other candidates is they have to look now and see, is any has anybody made any inroads into Trump supporters at all? I think he was 50, 55 percent. Uh, before the debate, uh, you know, was it worth your time to be at that debate if those numbers stayed the same? But if they would sag by 5 to 8 percent, I would think everybody says, oh, we got a chance here. 
Yeah, good morning, Dave. You know, the chairman-elect and I were talking this morning, and this is a campaign, and political campaigns, military campaigns. It's lots of episodes that you look at, you know, from 30,000 feet. So what happened last night was the first date. And I don't think anybody's ready to get married yet. There are going to be plenty of other dates between now (laughs) and when the first votes and caucuses start next year, right? So that tells you how much time that we have here. I think the, the thing I would think about if I was a campaign worker on any of these campaigns is the narrative. Are we up? Are we flat? Are we down? And and I think especially what is important is the comparison between style of what the setting was last night and what the setting will be on September 27th at the second debate hosted by Fox Business at the Reagan Library. This debate where we were at last night, four to 5,000 people. And the audience at times, I think, just my personal opinion, can be a hindrance to the viewer at home. Soaks up debate time, first of all, from candidates. It can sometimes give you a disproportionate feeling that somebody's answer was good or bad based on a crowd reaction. Um, But it it soaks away time, and people can play to that audience. Next month, September 22nd, 27th, rather, at the Reagan Library, there is no audience, right? They're in the hangar with Air Force One behind them, and and it's going to be those candidates looking straight to the camera. The other thing, Dave, to keep in mind in this campaign is those debate requirements are going to increase. Yes. Right. So to be stage last night, you needed 40,000 donors and to be at least at the 1% in a couple of national or early state polls. Well, the donor requirement is increasing to 50,000. And, and it's my belief if you can do 40, you can do 50, uh, another 10,000 over a month. I don't think that's going to be hard for any campaign, quite frankly. Um, they, they can all spend the money to get there. They may not want to do it, but, but they will do it. Uh, the harder thing is the polling requirement, which is going to increase to 3%. And I think for some folks on the stage last night, I think that's going to be a bigger hurdle. We had eight people on the stage last night. It's not going to surprise me, Dave, if we're not to six people next month at the Reagan Library in a forum that does not have uh, an audience and a forum that focuses, if if past years are indicative of, you know, the performances, going to focus heavily on foreign policy. And all of those factors, given the night that Nikki Haley had last night, I think she feels good, and she feels like in a driver's seat. That got a lot of exposure, Yes, and that, that's good today. That can be bad, though, as people do the oppo, because nobody was paying attention before yesterday. Now folks are paying attention, and, and you know, the lots are going to flip on. And, uh, you know, the biggest interaction last night, I think, was the Vivek Haley, uh, you don't know foreign policy, and it shows. I mean, that got a visceral, visceral response from people in the audience. I don't know if that translated at home. Yes. I think she smells blood in the water, and it's not the last time we're going to see those two mixed up on a debate stage. Well, according to everything I've seen, all the trending things on all of the Internet, and I'll get back to Joseph on that, is that uh, Vivek and Nikki Haley were the two biggest winners of last night, although uh, Ron DeSantis, I think he was a winner as well because I think that he really showed himself well last night and that's what he had to do because there's a lot of people that were questioning uh, if he if he had what it would take to be out in front of the the uh, the, the people and and to be able to connect with them. You, I, I, I would agree. Uh, he was another one that I said he had to maintain. He didn't have to go out and, and do a home run, but he had to get on first base for sure. And I think he did clearly. He was measured. He didn't get into the big major sparring with those guys, so he kind of came off a little more 
presidential, but he's not that kind of person. I think uh, Governor DeSantis is a deliverer of results, and, and he will constantly pull back and say, look what we have, are doing, look what I have said and how I follow through on that. And that's, that, I think, is carrying him now. And you can see even President, uh, not President, Governor Pence, uh, uh, or Vice President Pence, I think he missed, he was not who I think a lot of people are used to and accustomed to when he started going to uh, the VEC. And they started really cutting into time and going back and forth. That was unlike what I think a lot of people saw in Pence, and I think that hurt him as well. But I think DeSantis exactly uh, got out of there unscathed but really got a lift because of that. He can show the results. He can stand, the, stand through the test and, and point to where I have done. This is my background. This is my experience. This is what I'll be doing going forward. Well, the, the top four, I've got them written right down in front of me right here. Vivek, Nikki, Ron DeSantis, and uh, uh, Senator Scott, and then Pence, Christie, and Hutch, uh, Hutchinson on the uh, the bottom three. I, I, you made some good ones. That's, that's, I, I think Burdum. I, I don't. I don't. I think what Seth just mentioned. I don't know if he makes it to uh, the Reagan Library, but he really did have a lift because again, his. It, I met a lot of folks from out of the Dakotas there, and they were like, "He's embracing this whole who am I?" Well, people got to know who he was last night, and I think he gave some good response. Um, but again, is it enough to kind of catapult him? Uh, he was too far behind, and I, I, but I think he got some of the biggest lift of the night just because he was truly, truly unknown. Um, and so, anyway, I think your top four probably right in the mix: the Santas, the Vec, uh, Haley, and, and, and Scott. Scott always inspirational. He was yesterday. Again, Haley really was heartfelt. Really got her message across, and clearly, uh, Vivek. Uh, I love the energy of Vivek. Oh I man, he has a ton. You know, that guy, just him being on the stage by himself makes Biden look like he's 9,000 years old. (laughs) Yeah, the translation that for us who's been around for a while is, who is is he really appealing to? And and oftentimes we got to remember, man, this is a young group that is very tied to him. Will they come out and vote? Because that's Mm -hmm. not the group who comes out and vote. And, And so... This whole uh, energy, excitement, if he can translate that and get those folks uh, after uh, Mays just got through talking about, uh, Seth talked about this fact, people going to go in and start digging and look at the opposition yep. research and where he's been and that type of thing. The other part of that is, can he get those guys rallied up and, and out and actually vote? The first comment, maybe within the first two questions, I think it was Mike, no, it was Chris Christie who was very good in his skin, who's mm-hmm. turned around and said, I'm so frustrated and disgusted by some of this. The last time I heard some skinny guy talking about himself, and it was uh, President Barack Obama. Did you remember that line? Yeah, I do. Oh, it was kind of a, whoo, whoo, touche there. Yeah, uh, but I, I think that if I had been Vivek, I, I turned around and said, yeah, and how'd that turn out for Obama? <laughs> Double down, right? Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anyway, yeah, let me talk to Seth. We'll finish it up with you guys because I know that you're eating breakfast and getting ready to get out of there and you got to get back to Arkansas. Seth, let me ask you, if you're a part of one of these campaigns, what are you what are you assessing now? 
you know, I think to go back, I think you thought about it in a similar way that I did. I think you can take the field last night and you can kind of cut it in half. And I think there's four people on the stage that should be pretty well pleased with what they did. They have not done all of what they wanted to do. But I think that was DeSantis, who took on no major water. And that's he was exactly right. Stage. And that, that's a win anytime you're center stage to never be on the losing end of an interaction. Maybe you weren't as aggressive or leading on interactions, but he, he took on no water. Haley, obviously, I mean, I think all of her answers stuck on every issue. The abortion answer was, was I think, perfect. Yeah. Her foreign policy thing looked like she was scolding a child, mm. and, and that is a visual that I think will be duplicated next month. Uh, her answer on the first question about the economy, where she pointed and said, there are people on this stage, let's be real, that, that spending is a Republican problem, yep. too. It's not yep. just the Democrats. I mean, so she's got to be proud of Beck again, had no expectations going in, obviously overperformed. That can be a burden next month, but for today it's fine. And, and I think I think the other one you mentioned was you thought Scott would did well. I may put Scott in the second bucket. I thought he was fine, and I think he needed to be more than fine. I think Pence I may put in the first bucket of, of feeling proud this morning because of how aggressive he was. That, that was not a Pence that people know, really. And I think some people it was too aggressive and too grating, but I think there it was others that it showed a bit of, hey, he's really in this thing, and, and I don't think that people thought that. And then, of course, I think the other folks this morning that are waking up and thinking, okay, we, we have got to do something different, and, we, and we've got to qualify for next month, right, or the whole thing is done, I would put Christie, Hutchinson, and Burgum, right? They are the ones that are going to struggle with that 3% nationally and state by state, not that Haley and Scott and, and others, they also need to do that, but those other three, I think, have a real problem in what do we do between today and September 27th, probably the 25th is when you need to meet debate criteria. Mm -hmm. What do they do next month uh, to get there? And, and I think those are the folks that are pushing around the breakfast potatoes on the plate this morning, listening to advisors. Okay, last question for you, Seth, and then I'll let you go. Youngkin came out yesterday and said, hey, I haven't ruled out running. Oh, no worries. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He basically yeah, said that he might still run. He says, it's not too late to get in. So I'm I'm interested. What do you think about that? Does that, does that change the the landscape at all? No, I, I don't think a young kid or a camp or anybody that is still, you know, Sununu has ruled it out. Anybody else looking, I don't think, changes at this point. I think we've got our eight. Like, I, you know, I predicted, I think our eight's going to go more toward the six next month and i don't mm -hmm. see once the starts narrowing which officially happens after the first debate i don't see it expanding any at all unless of course uh, the former president who we really haven't discussed at all decides that he wants to jump back on that stage i don't know if there was anything last night that makes donald trump wants to come back just yet i think another stage again that doesn't have an audience and maybe somebody can look more presidential right with no crowd reaction in front of air force one no less you know next month I think a visual like that may draw him in, but that's the only way I see we that we get more podiums on stage. I, at this point, we're headed towards fewer. I'll tell you hey, what. You know, I heard somebody say that if you want to get Trump on the stage, narrow the lead. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. But, hey, Ellsworth, if I yeah. could throw one more. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, thought, I thought I mentioned this a little bit Saturday at the uh, RPA, uh, at our summer uh, meeting, this whole unit uh, divide, if you will, and that's fine. We got you got it. The issues that they talked about yesterday, abortion, um, 
climate change, aliens. I mean, it, <laughs> it was the things that caused people to, to, because they really are different in their thoughts, and they didn't spend a lot of time talking about the stuff that they agree on. Uh, and I think that was probably by design. But at the end, the question that got the very thing started was this whole notion of, will you support Trump if he's the nominee, uh, that type of thing? If you're supporting Trump, President Trump, put the flag out, get the signs out, uh, and, and, and be for Trump. But also start looking at your second. And on the flip side of that, if you're for one of those guys who are on the stage, put your flag out, get your, get your uh, 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 motion all set. But also consider and know that second it will be Trump, because any and all of that is going to be a win for uh, us versus the Democrats. And I think therein lies where we got to figure out these two or three who is like, and never, ever will I support whoever cuts in, and then I think that that opens it back up for the Democrats and Biden. Just like the chair, the new chair of the Republican Party here in Arkansas said on Saturday, 75 and 1. That's a oh boy. Very Hey, you heard that. I remember, brother, and I played it back on my show. I It was impressive what you said. But it's true, and we are. And again, we, I, I think you—you've been always saying this. You know, hey, you're the eighty twenty, and yes, we're going to have even in the twenty when that twenty really becomes meaty piece. We got to look at that. We got to be receptive to hear it, but we got to also remember that there's eighty percent that keeps us locked stop. And Mrs. L's the wake is going to still be Mrs. L's wake, even when she you disagree with yep. some of that piece. And so, anyway, or I, as I think you said, when she ever sp- squeezes the toothpaste tube in the middle. <laughs> See, I listen. I see. I, you do. I but pay attention. You've been in the game a while. Thank you very much, sir. All right. We'll talk to you later, Joseph. Our former governor, and that, of course, is is Hutchinson. And uh, here's what went down with, uh, with Tucker Carlson. Well, I don't want to. When you, when you say there are people on stage who shouldn't be running for president, who do you mean? Well, I don't want to really use names, but it wouldn't matter too much. A guy like, uh, I call him Ada Hutchinson. It's Asa, but I call him Ada. Uh, Why do you call him Ada? You know, I could tell you, but I don't want to get myself in a little trouble. (laughs) But he's weak and pathetic, and he was, uh, I never understood the guy. I never knew him. He was the governor of Arkansas. not a very popular guy. I don't know how he, but that state is such a great state. The people are so incredible yes. in that state, and they love me, and I love them. How does this guy get elected governor of Arkansas? But he's nasty always and uh, has been. All right. Wow. He's nasty and always has been. And, uh, you know, nobody loves him in Arkansas. Well, he's not too far off on that. A lot of people in Arkansas do not like the former governor of our state. And uh, that's why I, you know, if I had to say perhaps some people that would not be at the next debate, uh, the former governor is one, and uh, Burgum is the other from North Dakota. I just don't think people know enough about him that they're going to support him, jump on his bandwagon, nor is he nor is he uh, as lively and vivacious and things like uh, Vivac was, uh, he, he demands you to just pay attention to him uh, when he's uh, up on stage and when he's speaking. Christy, I understand from uh, uh, things that I've read that he has enough support right now to make it 
to the stage for the second uh, debate. And I understand Pence does as well. But again, on my top four, uh, real quickly, Vivac, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Senator Scott are my top four from the debate last night. We'll talk about it as we continue on the show today. But right now it's time to find out about Hannity. You know, a couple of weeks, uh, in fact, two weeks from Friday, I'll be heading off on vacation, get a couple of weeks that I take off at this time of the year. And we'll be going down to Florida. And I was just kind of comparing temperatures with uh, us in Florida. And the, the difference is very simple. We're in the hundreds. They're in the low 90s. That would be all the difference in the world. It'd be, it's gonna, it looks to be... Pretty close to being just about perfect weather uh, when Linda and I are going to be down there. Keep your fingers crossed that that happens. It'd be nice to go down, just kind of kick back and, and relax. Hey, by the way, does do you still have your knee pain? Is that still bothering you? How about your hip or your or your back or your shoulders? Are they still hurting? You know, that goes along with age, a lot of that. It goes along with the wear and tear that age has put on your body. Uh, I've got a solution for a lot of that, and that's QC Kinetics. Uh, They can make that pain go away with all natural advanced regenerative medicine that they've developed. And they're they're helping people here in central Arkansas and all over the United States uh, every day with these amazing natural treatments that restore and repair damaged joint tissue and uh, makes it like you're turning the clock back on, uh, on your body. Uh, Regenerative medicine uses concentrated healing agents from your own body to stimulate that damaged tissue in your joints so they can work like they're supposed to. And there's zero downtime. Like, you know, you got downtime if you've got, you know, surgery or something. Uh, You're going to be sitting around for a while healing up. QC Kinetics doesn't make that happen. It's the nation's leader in this exciting new medical breakthrough. And patients here in central Arkansas are really finding real lasting relief and are saying no to surgery and drugs. Those aren't your only options. So if you have pain due to injury or arthritis, here's a remarkable option that you need to check out. And the consultation is free. You can call QC Kinetics today at 501-222-8440. That's 501-222-8440. Again, 501-222-8440. And remember, put a 1 in front of it so that you can get a hold of them and, and, uh, and talk to them. So last night was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun to watch. Here's what I do know. You couldn't watch that debate and not see the difference in the amount of energy and, and difference in freshness of ideas between the Republicans and the president. Huge, huge difference. I mean, just of himself alone, Vivac, was just, man, he looked like a guy that was bouncing around the stage. Now, Seth pointed something out that I think is a, a reality here. What people saw t- last night, now they're going to go, and he, he is trending that he's the number one person that people are uh, searching for on the Internet and reading about. And there'll be some negative things that are out there. there. And how will that affect uh, his run? 
I personally think that uh, off of this first uh, debate, he gets a he gets a big uh, nine out of ten, and will get a good bounce out of this. But will he will he find more people following him, uh, and will he get those people from the Trump Club? Best way I can put it. You know, fifty fifty five percent for the ex, uh, for the former president. Uh, if if he eats into five or six percent of the president's following, you might see the president show up at the next debate. All right, to uh, to be up on stage with this this new guy uh, that made a big splash. Uh, the other thing that uh, he has to keep in mind, and I'm talking about Vivek now, is that. He has to now be as good or better in September than he was last night. That's tough to follow up on sometimes. That's tough to do, to do two debates in a row and to be as good in both as you were, for instance, in one of them. I mean, look, the uh, former President Trump did all right in one debate against Hillary, and in the other one he eviscerated her. And, uh, you know, if he had done both of the the debates and had handled her uh, without any qualms at all and had really uh, caused her problems, uh, it would have been very interesting to see uh, if the race wouldn't have been, there wouldn't have been a larger, uh, you know, separation uh, in in that race. With that said, let's let me give you a little taste of Vivek uh, Ramaswamy uh, from last night, and uh, I want to play his closing statement because I thought this is this is hitting a home run. Okay, I'm just telling you right now, this is what a politician wants to do: is hit a home run, and and leave this type of a of a thought of a posi- of positive thoughts uh, for his candidacy. I was born in 1985, and I grew up into a generation where we were taught to celebrate our diversity and our differences so much that we forgot all of the ways we are really just the same as Americans, bound by a common set of ideals that set this nation into motion in 1776. And this is our moment to revive those common ideals. God is real. There are two genders. Fossil fuels are a requirement for human prosperity. Reverse racism is racism. An open border is not a border. Parents determine the education of their children. The nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to man. Capitalism lifts us up from poverty. There are three branches of government, not four. And the U.S. Constitution, it is the strongest guarantor of freedom in human history. That is what won us the American Revolution. That is what will win us the revolution of 2024. Thanks for letting me introduce There you go. I mean, home run. That's that left the ballpark. He he hit it out on as if, as a Cub fan. He hit that and went out on Waveland Avenue. He did, and I want to point out too. I mean, he wasn't afraid. Was not afraid of any candidate on the on no. the board. I mean, he no. he and Mike Pence went at it quite a bit. You know, he and Chris Christie went at it. Nikki Haley and he also had a little little heated yeah, argument on foreign for policy. Yeah, I was I was thoroughly impressed with with him being the younger guy. I think he. Did, in my opinion, I thought he did a good job of trying to reach the younger audience as well. Well, he was the youngest guy on the stage. What, 38, right? 
38 years old. Yeah, he's a young man, very young man. And I, I liked, you know, and I and I mentioned this to, to, to Joe Wood uh, when we just had him on. And uh, Christy looked at him and said, the last time I saw somebody like this, thin guy nobody knew or whatever was Barack Obama. And uh, I think that the proper answer for Vivek was, yeah, how'd that work out for him? Yeah. Two that, terms as president. That, and I thought the, uh, I thought Chris Christie's comment about the chat BGT or whatever it was, I thought that was really stupid. Well, the uh, one that I thought was bad was when he called him Chachi. Oh, man, I didn't hear that one. Yeah, that was, I thought that was not, uh, I, I kind of thought, nah, I don't like that one. Yeah. You know, but that's, that's the New Jersey in, in, uh, in Christie. You know, he's got a lot, in that aspect, he's got a lot like Trump, as far as that's concerned, just to be honest, they they got that eastern edge to them. That uh, you punch them, they'll punch back twice as hard, and they won't try to punch you in the shoulder. They'll punch you in the face. Just to tell you, I had a lot of guys that were from New Jersey, Cherry Hill, and some other areas uh, as fraternity brothers, and they were all that way, all that way. Especially Cordy, you don't know him. But that's the guy's name. And, man, you, you you had to watch what you said. You said something that was not even an affront. He would take it as an affront. And it was it was it was time for fisticuffs as far as he was concerned. But, yeah, anyway, like I said, I thought that uh, that closing statement really was very, uh, very good. I also thought, and I, I had said this several times yesterday on the show, that Ron DeSantis had to have a good night. And he had a good night. He did. He did very well. He did very well. And uh, because if he'd had a bad night, if he'd laid an egg, his candidacy might have been over uh, quicker than Jeb Bush's was <laughs> the first time that Trump ran for president. And uh, But he had a good closing last night. I'd give him about a 9-5 on this. Uh, I would say he hit a home run, but it stayed in the ballpark. Here's what he had to say. This is our time for choosing. We will send Joe Biden back to his basement and we will reverse the decline of this country. I'm a blue collar kid. I work minimum wage jobs to be able to make ends meet. I understand the importance of the American dream and I know how that slipped away from so many millions of Americans will restore it. I'm a veteran who served in Iraq. I know what it means to put service above self. I'm also a dad and a husband to six, five and three year old. I understand the importance of protecting parents' rights and the well-being of our children in florida we showed it could be done i made promises and i delivered on all of those promises 2024 is make or break we're not getting a mulligan no excuses i will get the job done and as your president i will not let you down god bless you all all right that's great that's great closing that's selling the deal right there i mean that wasn't that wasn't just sizzle he had steak to back it up with as well because he has uh, done what he said he would do in Florida. And uh, he did win by over 19 points in the last election in Florida. And he's a formidable candidate if he runs uh, for the presidency with the Republican nomination. So he did a great job as well. I want to play two more uh, clo- uh, two more pieces, but uh, we'll get to them uh, 
coming up. We'll we'll get one in the next segment, and we'll get one probably right after the top of the hour. Uh, Doyle Webb will join us, former chairman of the Arkansas GOP, in the seven o'clock hour, and then uh, or not, uh, pardon me, in the uh, nine o'clock hour, and we got uh, Tim Head uh, coming up from Faith and Freedom as well to talk about the debate uh, last night. So keep uh, that in mind as well. All right, looking here, I want to remind. Let's uh, hear one more closing uh, presentation uh, for this hour. And uh, Senator Scott, who I thought also had a good debate, uh, he might want to be a, a little bit more upfront in the next debate, try to get in front of what's, uh, what's happening on stage instead of kind of trailing behind and listening and uh, answering after people have already made their decisions. We'll, we'll see what uh, he does then. But, you know, he, he, he has a, he's got the money. He's got a formidable campaign uh, ready to go. He'll be around for a while. But uh, bottom line, he finished up. I thought he's a storyteller, and he did well last night. Thank you. I was a disillusioned young man growing up in a single-parent household mired in poverty. I wondered if the American dream was real for a kid like me. I can stand before you today and say the dream is alive, it is well, and it is healthy. I had the good fortune of a mom who worked 16-hour days making sure we had food on our tables. She taught me that if you're able-bodied in America, you work. If you take out a loan, you pay it back. If you commit a violent crime, you go to jail. And if God made you a man, you play sports against men. Thank you. All right. I mean, that's pretty good. That's a good wrap-up. And he left them with a smile on their face. That's always something you want to do uh, when you're in front of a, a large group of people. And, you know, that's something else that Seth made uh, mention of that is important to think about. This time they were in front of about, uh, about 6,000 people. They were there to watch the debate last night. When they appear uh, at Reagan's museum, here in September on the, I think the 27th, uh, it will only be them. There'll be no crowd there in front of them. Uh, they'll have them uh, lined up in front of uh, Air Force One that they have there on the main floor in Reagan Library. If you've never been there, may I tell you that should be a place to stop to see if you get out to California uh, and, and go see it. Uh, after you've had to put up with all the wokeness out in California and say there is still hope uh, when you read about what President Reagan did. But uh, it's just going to be them, and when they look over at the moderators, it's going to be the moderators and the cameras. That's it. That that's You don't get to feed off the energy of the crowd at that point. Uh, Vivek was able to do that, to feed off the uh, the energy of the crowd. You could see that when they would get excited and be, you know, screaming and cheering for him. You could see it pick him up some. Well, you don't have that when you get out there to uh, Reagan Library. So, yeah, yeah there was like a, a Chris, Chris Christie. It was right after he and Christie had been fighting, pretty much. Yeah. And when Chris Christie had thirty seconds to talk, the crowd literally booed him. Yeah. Like the whole thirty seconds. Yeah. And. I did like Christie's statement. 
You know, you can boo all you want, but booing doesn't change the truth. Sure, yep. That was a great comeback line uh, that he had. And uh, whether you like it or you don't, the bottom line, it's true. It, you know, you can boo all you want, but if it's the truth, it's the truth. Just the case there. I thought uh, I thought Brett did pretty good. Um, um, was it Martha McCallum? Was that the other person that was up there on the on the? So was Brett, it? Yeah, Martha McCallum was. The yeah, other. yeah. I I thought it was interesting. There was a couple of times she asked questions, and uh, the um, the person that was responding kind of put her in her place. Yeah. Because she was expecting the candidate to answer a certain way, and they did not. And and especially when she brought up the whole thing about uh, former President Trump. Uh, I I think both she and Brett were totally shocked when everybody held up their hand saying that they would support President Trump if he won the nomination. There was only one candidate that did not raise his hand, and that was Asa Hutchinson. He didn't raise his hand. That will hurt Asa Hutchinson because you're running for the Republican uh, nomination. Uh, unless you think you can do it with just the never-Trumpers, uh, you, you, you should play along at least. I mean, uh, if... Maybe if you don't believe it, put your hand up halfway, kind of like Christie did when he first started putting his hand up. He put it up halfway, and then he finally put it all the way up when he saw everybody up else had put their hand all the way up. Because, you know, the whole thing about Trump comes down to something else as well, and that is when your government is punishing your party the way the Democrats right now are, uh, I think, using the the government uh, agencies, uh, the Department of Justice, the FBI, and others, to uh, to to punish people for you know freedom of speech and things of that nature. It's time you got to stand up. You got to stand up and say that is absolutely wrong, and should not be allowed to happen. We're not a banana republic. You may hate Trump, but you go after him over the truth. You don't go. You don't make up lies and try to, uh, you know, fabricate things to say like they did about Russia, 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 when it was all Hillary had nothing to do with Trump, and a lot of the other things that have come up that have been disproven that the media still refuses to say have been disproven. They have. It's it's all out there for you to, to, to search out and check out. And the bottom line is this. You know, if, if the Biden administration's behind this, uh, this, is not, this is worse than third world nation at that point. Uh, we're we're in, a, in a situation where we, we've got Pravda uh, as our media. And that's not good. Let's do it. It's go time. All right. Back with you. Dave Ellswick show. Uh, Tim Head's going to join us here in a, a few moments. And uh, we're going to talk to him. 
He's, uh, of course, Faith and Freedom Organization. Get his take on the, the debates that occurred last night. Now, before we get to him, uh, last closing that I wanted to play for you uh, is the one that, uh, you know, that uh, Nikki Haley did, because I thought she had a great debate last night. Here's how she wrapped up the evening last night at the debate. Several weeks ago, I dropped my husband, Michael, a combat veteran from Afghanistan, off at 4 a.m. for another year-long deployment. I watched him and 230 soldiers pick up their two duffel bags of belongings to go to a country they'd never been, all in the name of protecting America. If they are willing to protect us from there, we should be willing to fight for America here. I will beat Joe Biden, and he knows that. I will strengthen our economy, and we'll bring this inflation down. We will put transparency in the classroom. We will secure our borders. We will have the backs of our law enforcement, and we will make sure we have a strong national security. And once again, we will make sure we have an America that is strong and proud. We have a country to save. Join us. Go to NikkiHaley.com, and let's get it done. I thought that she had a great, great debate last night. Tim Head, how are you today? What do you think about Nikki Haley? Well, I, I'm doing well today. And, uh, you know, the, the second half of, uh, of the debate last night, uh, I, you know, I think uh, I, I was probably with a lot of people sitting on the edge of my seat a little bit. There were some, uh, some elbows being thrown a little bit. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, maybe a little less policy and a little, uh, little more uh, chutzpah you know, from, uh, from some of our candidates last night. But, uh, Nikki Haley, um, you know, she's a, she's an interesting uh, figure because obviously she's run a state, uh, but she also has uh, has been engaged in uh, not only purely international uh, politics and, and the international scene. And uh, I think that she showed well uh, in that regard last night, certainly uh, showed a mastery of, of a number of issues. But then uh, I think also just her willingness to, uh, you know, to kind of get into that back and forth a little bit. Uh, probably bodes well for her in the eyes of a lot of voters. Yeah, and I I agree with that. If when I look at last night, uh, see if you agree with me. I I just I'll just give you how I feel, and then you tell me how you felt about it. I thought that uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, is an unknown. He came out. People know his name now. Uh, they'll be looking him up. In fact, I was looking at the trends on the Internet, and he is the number one trending topic on the Internet. So a lot of younger voters are, I'm sure, checking them out more so than older voters are, because I don't know if they are going on the Internet to check that kind of stuff out. But uh, I thought he had a very good night. Uh, Nikki Haley had a very good night. I think Ron DeSantis had a good night. He had the kind of night he needed to have. He he couldn't go out and uh, and just be kind of flat. He's been kind of flat several times during this campaign thus far, and uh, he had he had some uh, excitement about him and uh, said a lot of good things. I think last night, and then Senator Scott had a good night. Vice President Pence, I think he had an uh, all right night, but I don't think it was as good as he hoped for. The bottom three in my book, Christy, uh, Asa Hutchinson, and Burgum. What do you think? 
Well, look, I mean, I think uh, I think those are certainly fair, uh, fair, uh, fair assessments. But um, you know, I think that uh, that uh, different candidates and campaigns can uh, can kind of uh, uh, at this stage can still afford to kind of measure uh, or define success slightly differently. So you know, um, you you can you can technically like lose, quote unquote lose or at least not win a debate. Uh, 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 broadly speaking, but it actually could be a victory for you personally. So, like, I would I would argue that that uh, you know Governor Governor Bergeron from uh, you know from uh, North Dakota there um, had a successful night in that he was completely unknown, and I think he you know generally fared well, articulated himself well. Probably didn't get as much uh, uh, kind of airtime as as a lot of the others, but uh, came across uh, thoughtful and poised and, uh, informed, you know, et cetera. Doesn't mean he's going to win the primary, but I think it was a, a successful night. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, um, there's a, an interesting dynamic with DeSantis that he, he still is, uh, in, in essence, last night's debate is almost the competition for who would be the alternative for Trump. And you would still say that DeSantis is probably the, the leading alternative for Trump. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I, again, I actually completely agree with you, and I think that, that search, search result piece uh, demonstrates pretty well that, uh, that Vivek actually probably uh, gained more ground uh, individually than any of the other candidates I uh, agree. last night, going from relatively unknown to fairly well-known, I would say, now. Yeah, I, what I thought was interesting, I thought he missed one opportunity last night, and that was with... Uh, Christie, when Christie was looking at him and said, you know, the last time I saw a tall, skinny guy on stage saying that nobody knows who I am, it was Barack Obama. And if I had been Vivek, and and, and this is, I'm not on stage, I'm not under the pressure uh, that they are, but the perfect comeback would have been, yeah, and how'd that work out for him? You know, I, he, uh, he he tried to get uh, something to that effect in, you know, if uh, if you'll come over and give me a hug, uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, your hug will, will boost me into the the White House the way that uh, your hug for Barack Obama boosted <laughs> him into the White House. Uh, but but there, was kinda, there was so much banter and back and forth yeah. that, you know, I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit there. Uh, but, uh, you know, look, I mean, I, I, uh, I think it's uh, one of the reasons, um, you know, in, in kind of political man uh, – uh, campaign management, and you know, oftentimes people will say that campaigns are um, aren't necessarily won in debates, but they can be lost in debates. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that um, the the kind of the four or five main alternatives at the moment to, to Trump all had generally successful uh, nights. Um, and uh, and and you know, look, I mean, for us, uh, I, I run an organization called the Faith and Freedom Coalition, right. and. Uh, we don't endorse in primaries, and uh, it really in generals for that matter. Uh, I thought it was a it was a winning night in general for uh, for important issues for us like uh, abortion and you know traditional family values and um, religious liberty things of that nature. We saw that there you know last night there were eight uh, very compelling arguments um, uh, arguers if you will uh, uh, for those issues last night, and I think that. You know, my hope is that generally the uh, the GOP, the Republican Party, and conservatives writ large um, start uh, becoming a bit more energized and a little a bit more encouraged. And I think that that's one of the uh, prevailing kind of takeaways from uh, the debate last night. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because what we saw on that debate stage last night 
compared to what we see when uh, the president stands in front of a podium or in front of an audience or whatever, just the amount of excitement generated on the stage was megawatts above what the president can do. And and then the ability of all of those people able to clearly define issues and what we want to be able to do. Not only here's what we want to do, here's how we're going to do them, uh, was a breath of fresh air, I believe. How did how did you see that? Well, I, uh, I definitely agree with, uh, you know, your, your wattage uh, comment there. Um, you know, frankly, I, I'm not even sure that President, Obama, President uh, Biden is even that interested in what he's saying by the time he gets to about the third paragraph. <laughs> uh, I would say that, uh, you know, it's important also, I think, for us to, to, to kind of recognize a very fundamental distinction between uh, these days between the political left and the political right, among other things. Uh, the right does believe that competition can be a good thing, a, a healthy thing. It may be uncomfortable at times, but it's ultimately uh, it tends to kind of uh, refine people, refine arguments. Um, you know, there is a vetting process that uh, that is a good process. Uh, interestingly enough, you not only saw literally, you know, eight eight people competing on stage, but simultaneously, you actually saw essentially two different, um, you know, media platforms almost uh, competing with each other simultaneously last night with, uh, you know, uh, uh, President Trump uh, sitting with Tucker Carlson on uh, um, not, not even uh, like different mediums of, of uh, yes. you know, communication even on online uh, with Tucker Carlson at the same time and um and you know we'll we'll get back the the ratings today you know you'll probably in the next couple of hours uh for the debate last night but uh but in generally i in general i really think that that was a win last night was a win for conservatism from a very uh ecological kind of standpoint if you will yeah let me uh, ask about uh the former president uh, and as far as as you're concerned he'll be he'll be showing up in georgia today he's going to be book the the sheriff from what i've understood is going to take a uh, you know a, a picture of him uh i don't know if they'll release it like they did with uh giuliani's or not but uh you know is is do you think any of this is beginning to pull down on his uh his running for president at this time well, uh, so an interesting thing happened last week. Uh, obviously, I was the first in the nation uh, caucus coming up in mid-January. There was a uh, the kind of uh, the top uh, poll in Iowa right now is is generally done by the Des Moines Register, uh, with the, the main uh, newspaper there. And while the poll was in the field last week, it went in the poll. Uh, the, it went into the field on Monday. The indictment were, was uh, released. Uh, on, I'm sorry, it went in Sunday. The, the indictment was released on Monday. So literally the pollster was in the field while uh, at the moment that it was released. And the responses uh, of, of, of those being questioned changed literally at, at the moment the news was released, that he actually became more sympathetic uh, and more uh, his favorables actually went up from the time you know it was released uh, uh, a really fascinating kind of accidental moment uh, in, in kind of sociological study right now which corroborates what a lot of people believe that the more that he's perceived to be attacked by uh, government systems at this point 
the more uh, favorable and sympathetic he becomes to Republican voters. Well, and I think that that's understandable because if you're a Republican, if uh, if the power the the the, the uh, Democrats are in power are attacking one of your candidates, you're going to take that personal. And I think that you get behind the person who's being attacked. Well, I, I think that's uh, very true. And uh, and it and again, I mean, whenever we see. Uh, kind of the levers of power of government being wielded or pulled against the individual person uh, for, uh, we'll, we'll say, at least their questionable or kind of dubious allegations. I mean, it's not like a clear crime that was convic- uh, that was committed that was, you know, had a multiple witnesses and a, and a, a crime that, you know, the, the average Americans consider a crime like, you know, he filled out a form improperly. Technically, we consider that a misdemeanor or something. Uh-huh. You know, this is, I mean, he, people don't construe what happened there. First of all, probably don't construe it anyway, but certainly don't consider that as, as a, a federal offense or even a, you know, a state felony offense. And so, you know, it does. It looks, it looks weaponized. It looks uh, arbitrary, capricious. Um, and, you know, and then simultaneously as all this is happening, while Hunter Biden, you know, continues to kind of flaunt uh, his, his uh, privilege, his father privilege, if you will, uh, across, you know, the the globe at this point. Yeah, I agree. Our guest, Tim Head, with Faith and Freedom Coalition. Uh, Tim, tell my listeners where they can go to keep following up on uh, your uh, organization and pick up uh, information from you. Yeah, well, we're, we're uh, on, online. We're just at www.ffcoalition.com, and that's uh, Faith and Freedom Coalition. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're actually going to have three events in September with uh, uh, most, if not all, of these candidates in, uh, in either Georgia, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and then um, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina in September. So, you know, the, uh, the, the drum just keeps beating and we're marching on. All right. We continue on. Let me remind you later on in the show, we'll hear from Doyle Webb, the former uh, chairman of the Arkansas Republican Party, longest running chairman ever. In the history of the Republican Party, he'll talk to us. We've got about five minutes to catch him at the airport. And then at 10.05, we'll be talking to uh, a lady who's running as a Republican, trying to uh, win the seat for uh, Senator, uh, former uh, Senator uh, uh, Feinbach. Go ahead. Yeah, her name her name is Denise Gary Pandle. Right. She is a Republican Party running for election to the U.S. Senate. To represent California. Yep, and we're going to talk to her about it. She's the one that hopefully she can win and we can get rid of uh, the crazy man from the House that wants to be in the Senate now who has been nothing but a pain in everybody's butt with the way that he lied and nothing really happened to him other than uh, they they said no, no, no and slapped him on the on the wrist about it. All right, Tim, we're, we're down to about four minutes remaining with you at Faith and Freedom Coalition. Uh, FF, this right, FFCoalition.com? That's the one, yes, sir. All right, want to make sure that that's correct. you got some events coming up. You want to talk a little bit about those, what, what it is that you all are trying to do, and would my listeners be interested in them? Well, very possibly so. Uh, you know, I think uh, we'll be live streaming each of these on, on that website that we just mentioned. Uh, and uh, and it's uh, on September the 11th, we'll do a, an event in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, we'll have 
uh, a couple of uh, really probably three or four uh, presidential candidates at that. Uh, and then uh, that weekend, September the 16th, we'll uh, be back up in Des Moines, uh, Iowa, and we're doing our second event this year. We did one in April, but we have one on uh, on uh, the evening of September the 16th in Des Moines. With uh, Right now we have 11 uh, uh, candidates that are headed to that one. And then uh, on the following Saturday on the, the 23rd of September, we'll be just, uh, just outside of Charlotte, very close to the North Carolina-South Carolina border, and our North Carolina Faith and Freedom Coalition is doing a, a full uh, kind of one-day summit. And that will actually have several other pre- uh, presidential. Some of the same candidates will be at, at multiples of those. So we're, uh, you know, we, we think of ourselves as kind of uh, political matchmakers more so than kingmakers, that our, our job is to, to try to introduce candidates to, uh, to voters and voters to candidates and then let, you know, the best women, women so to speak, to, to win. And, uh, and so we're hustling as much as much as possible across the country to make sure that that, uh, that happens between now and, uh, you know, caucuses and, and early voting next year. Well, that 23rd event should be very, very well attended, and people will be interested because it's only four days away before the next debate. Yes, yes, indeed. So, uh, you know, I think that, uh, that, that, you know, there things got a little bit heated at times last night. So, you know, it feels like the, uh, the, the, the kind of white gloves, the gentleman's gloves have kind of coming off, coming off a little bit now. But uh, I expect all of those events to, you know, probably have uh, a little bit of sizzle to them now that uh, people are truly trying to differentiate each other uh, from one another. I agree with you. Tim, thanks so much for the time. Uh, we'll be in touch. We'll have you back on. Uh, after the next debate, and uh, good luck on your next three events that you have planned. All right, back with you. Uh, Doyle Webb's going to join us for a few moments. Uh, He's got to catch a flight home, and uh, we're going to talk to him about what he thought of the debate last night. Uh, Former uh, chair of the, of course, uh, Republican Party here in Arkansas, longest-running chairman uh, in the history of the Republican Party. The man is... uh, is a is a is a legend in and of himself for sure. And uh, Doyle, you were there amongst uh, what six seven thousand people that attended the the debate last night. What was your takeaways? Yeah, Dave, it was a great event. Uh, yes, about six seven thousand my closest friends were there. It it was feisty. It was a great event. You're not going to go to sleep with with the barbs and the, the arguing and the points being made. I thought it was a great event, and I, 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 th- I actually think that everyone came out a winner in this event. In that, uh, I'll, I'll tell you who I think really came out the winners, but I think uh, even Asa set the tone for who he is trying to define himself uh, in this race. Yeah, I, I picked four distinct winners. Number one, Vivek, uh, I think that he's the overall winner. Nobody knew really who much who he was. He came out feisty, ready to go, ready to, to trade it with the other candidates on the stage. He might have put himself on thin ice with some people because he was so combative at times. Nikki Haley really showed herself well, I thought, last night. Ron DeSantis did well. He solidified uh, his position that he should be looked at and considered as, as being a uh, Republican contender for the nomination, and then Senator Scott. The rest of the people on the stage, I thought, did all right, but I don't know if it's enough there. I think I think there's a couple of them that we won't see on the stage come in September. 
Dave, I think you're right. I, I want to say that, uh, and you did not mention Vivek. Uh, I thought he was, I, th- I think he brings something new to the debate. I think it brings something new to the Republican agenda. And I think he's really good. He, he is a crowd pleaser. Yes. Uh, will he be the nominee? I, I just can't see that happening. Uh, but I could see him being in an administration, clearly. I, I'm with you. I think DeSantis was not hurt. He explained himself well. Uh, I thought that Nikki Haley uh, really came out of the uh, shoot firing uh-huh. and had some good comments. I, I was probably more impressed with her uh, than I was uh, anywhere anyone else but let me jump over to senator scott always the solid always got good common sense always the great uh state senator pence uh i think pence is fading i thought he was good but uh a lot of the things that he is saying are probably tired at this point you know there is just it's not the new republican party that we need to move and fight for uh christie uh was was Christie. He did exactly what he thought uh, he should do, and that's fire at everybody. But uh, I'm with you. Uh, uh, I think DeSantis impressed me. Uh, Nikki Haley, I would say, overall impressed me the most. Uh, Vivek, uh, I, I love his just uh, feistiness, okay? It did, he, he'll fight anybody, but uh, <laughs> we're getting ready to <laughs> It's true. You know, uh, I think the name, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I think someone said he could be the Republicans' Obama, uh, the, the slender, yeah. good-looking guy with the name that nobody can pronounce. Okay, so uh, uh, I'm, I'm ready for round two. I'm ready for it to come out again at okay. the next one. Let me ask you to speak to one thing, and then I'll let you go. Sure. I talked to Seth That's about. Right. I talked to Seth about this. And I, and we were talking about the next time that they appear together, they'll be in the Reagan Presidential Library. You'll have Air Force One behind you, and there is no crowd. Explain the difference when there is and there is not a crowd in a debate situation like that. Well, you know, last, I, the unfortunate thing for us was that there would be people applaud and clap, and you couldn't hear them sometimes okay uh couldn't hear the speakers uh and i've been to debates where there's very few in the crowd and very respectful i think the reagan library and i've been there i'm sure you may have or yep. you have plans to go it just brings a seriousness to what we're about and the greatness of ronald reagan and who will rise to that level okay uh, so once again, it will just be focused on the candidates, not on the crowd and on the responses of the crowd. So uh, I'm anxious to see that. I uh, I, I agree. I really I really do agree with you. They had a beautiful shot of it last night. I don't know if they showed it on TV, but they show the end that's all glass of the library where the plane looks like it's getting ready to take off. Uh, but uh, we look forward to it. And that's I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. To, to be on your show this well, morning. We'll get okay? you. We'll get you back on after uh, the next debate, and we'll give you more time. But thank you, Doyle, for the time no that problem. you were able to give today. All right, back with you. Something that I've always talked about here on the show. I really do think it's a, a good idea to make sure you have 
a percentage of former military people uh, in your in the House and in the Senate, and it really behooves the president to have some military uh, expertise as well. Now, I'll, I'll agree. There are certain people who had military expertise that have been president, i.e. Jimmy Carter, that didn't learn squat during the time that they served in the military. I mean, Carter gave the Suez, or not Suez Canal, but the, the canal back uh, to uh, uh, Panama, the Panama Canal, and things of that nature. But we, we really need... Uh, somebody in there who understands that the the military, uh, our military, is there to take care of military-type things. When when you have drugs coming across from another country that are killing seventy to 90,000 people a year, that's a war, folks. You know, that, that literally is a war. And it needs to be dealt as such. And I thought Ron DeSantis uh, talked a little bit about that last night along the border and what he would do about it. And I wanted to play this clip for you. Yes. Yes. And I will do it on day one. So as president, would you support sending U.S. special forces over the border into Mexico to take out fentanyl labs to take out drug cartel operations. Would you support that kind of American military use? Yes, and I will do it on day one. Here's the thing. The cartels are killing tens of thousands of our fellow citizens. You want to talk about a country in decline? You have the cartels controlling a lot of part of your southern border. We have to reestablish the rule of law, and we have to defend our people. The President of the United States has got to use all available powers as Commander-in-Chief to protect our country and to protect the people. So when they're coming across, yes, we're going to use lethal force. Yes, we reserve the right to operate. How many more tens of thousands are we going to let to die? I am sick. I've met angel moms throughout this country. I met a lady in, in Texas named Tracy, and her son took one Percocet, that was laced with fentanyl immediately died. That is happening all across this country because of the poison that they are bringing in. So as president, would I use force? Would I treat them as foreign terrorist organizations? You're darn right I would. Hey, Sean Hannity here. All right, there you go. What can I tell you? That I, that's the perfect answer as far as I'm concerned. That's the right answer. Somebody who's, con, you know, bringing that much death, destruction, and grief into our country needs to be dealt with in a very strict, quick, and decisive way. And we haven't done that. And Biden ain't ever going to do it. He's never, ever going to do it. So, um, like I've said before, that's why we've got wet teams. And that's what they should be doing, taking care of of that that i mean when you look at it how can you say that's not like being at war if you get that many i mean if they dropped a bomb on us and killed you know 60,000 people in a bombing raid you know they they let's say they bombed uh los angeles set off a bunch of bombs and it killed 60,000 people would that be an act of war i would think we'd see it as that 
Uh, I think that uh, we need to see it as that with the way it's going now. And I think, and I agree with uh, Christy, he made a statement about this. Uh, when you're talking about fentanyl, you gotta you got to sit down with the premier over there and put him on notice. Hey, we will make it just totally um, uncomfortable for you if you don't stop these people from sending these uh, criminals, uh, these uh, chemicals over uh, to Mexico to make this drug. No, no, you know, we will decouple so fast from you, you won't know what hit you. I mean, we have a democracy in India that's got uh, millions and millions of young men under 35 that are looking for work. And I would hope that a lot of companies here in America will start looking at uh, India as a place to relocate their industries. And uh, we need to stop uh, giving the Chinese our money that way. We need to make sure that we stop Russia from being the overnight gas station for China. And uh, last but not least, we need to bring as much pressure to bear as we can on China to make them stop uh, with a lot of the stuff that they do as far as manipulating currency, as far as, uh, you know, sending uh, chemicals over to make drugs and things of that nature. All of that needs to be done. So I've given you the the, the, the ways and the hows, okay, and how to do it. Uh, as far as Mexico goes, we want to work with them. But if their president refuses to work with them to stop the, uh, uh, the manufacturer and the movement of these illicit drugs into our country, then we have to do what we got to do. Look, the cartel now, uh, we've seen the pictures. There's been newsreels on it. Uh, we've seen it in, in the communities uh, along the border. The cartels are sending armed people into our country. That has to stop. And I'm with uh, with uh, DeSantis that uh, you got to bring the rule of law back to the border uh, of the United States. All right, let's continue. Last hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, for a Thursday, tomorrow, Robert Steinbach, Chris Corbett, Matt Smith back in town. So he'll be on with us in the last hour as well tomorrow. So a lot of things coming your way. I'm, I'm, going, over, I'm going out to the uh, movies tonight to see Gran Turismo so that I can talk about it tomorrow uh, to tell you whether you should spend your hard-earned cash on, on seeing that movie. Right now, the three that I would suggest to you are, if you haven't seen them, uh, would be, of course, uh, uh, Oppenheimer would be my number one suggestion to you. I don't suggest Barbie. Don't get me. I just can't bring myself to suggest that. Uh, as far as uh, other movies go, The uh, Last Voyage of the Debt Meter, the Debt Meter, which is based on a chapter in Braun Stoker's novel about Dracula, about uh, this ship uh, that was transporting uh, dirt from uh, basically Transylvania uh, fr uh, from uh, Europe in London 
all the way over to the United States and uh, what happened to that that boat and to its crew. Uh, it's a nice, creepy movie. If you like creepy movies, it's a good one to go see. You'll enjoy it. I'll see Gran Turismo tonight. I'll tell you about uh, it uh, as well. A lot of other movies. If you haven't seen the new Mission Impossible movie, that's a 4C movie as well. I like how, uh, Aaron, uh, they write, they write mo- uh, movie reviews, and, and they've been talking about Tom Cruise's latest movie. It's a bomb. It's not making, hasn't made enough money, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, if you look at just the domestic box office, but if you add in the box office from overseas, they've made their money back hands down. No problem whatsoever. Now, Indiana Jones hasn't, but that's more kind of a of a of uh, an American kind of feeling property where, you know, the whole thing with uh, uh, what's going on with Mission Impossible does not have that feel, has an international feel to it. All right, enough on all that. All right, Feinstein is, is leaving, all right, in California. She's out. Uh, you... You've, I, I can't uh, tell you. I, I saw her uh, last time I was in D.C., and that was last year. And she looks totally decrepit anymore. It is unbelievable how old she is. You know, when people get to the age that around their eyes, they got that red look to them and stuff, and... Their skin looks like it's just sagging off of their face. That's the way she looks. And uh, I'm sure you've seen the news uh, footage that they've had of her. Uh, you know, she's she's just not up to doing what needs to be done to be a senator anymore. Of course, people in Pennsylvania seem to think that Fetterman is still, you know, able to be a senator, which is BS. You know, that that, that that's totally isn't that the usual BS? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And, and uh, you know, he's not, you know, so he shouldn't be a senator. Uh, but anyway, Feinstein, Schiff is wanting to win that seat. He thinks he can take what he did uh, against Donald Trump and turn it into a Senate seat. That's exactly what he thinks. Well, there are some people who think that they can throw... Uh, you know, a big boulder in his way. And one of those people is uh, Denise Gary uh, Pandel. Yeah, Pandel is with us, and uh, I want her to talk to us. She's a Republican candidate for Senate uh, out uh, in California. And, uh, Denise, uh, what's it going to take to to win that seat uh, that used to belong to Dianne Feinstein for so many years? Well, first of all, Dave Ellswick, thank you so much for having me on your broadcast today. I, I greatly appreciate it. Sure. I, I believe that I'm going to win this as a conservative Republican because my message is really a nonpartisan message. You know, one of the first things I like to do uh, when elected as United States Senator from the state of California is help all of America, help America and help our golden state. And the way we can do that is we need to start deregulating the economy. I don't know, Dave, if you realize it, but you and every household represented in America is spending over $15,000 on regulations that have been passed by the federal government. So here in California, 
what we see is we see water being turned off, right? The regulators here in, in California turn off the water uh, so that our farmers and our ranchers that help feed you in Arkansas and feed people across the country don't have enough water to grow their crops. And Dave, I, I don't know if you realize it, but the state of California provides over 400 commodities to the country. We, we provide over two-thirds of all the fruit and nuts. We provide almost half of all the vegetables that are eaten here in this country and worldwide. When you turn off the water, because the regulations have created an environment here in our state and in other states that are run by Democrats, that it's too expensive to water your crops and to feed your livestock if you're a rancher. So we've got farmers that are plowing under their crops. We've got ranchers that are getting rid of their cattle. And in the meantime, we have a president and we have leadership in Washington saying, well, you know, we're coming up on food shortages. Mm -hmm. We expect to suffer food shortages in the United States of America. So one of the first things I want to do is work with people like Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, Marsha Blackburn, and others. And I want to get legislation passed in Washington that is going to legislate that every state in the union that doesn't have proper water infrastructure so that every household, and especially our farmers and ranchers, have enough water to grow the food and the livestock that we need. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with FERC, the Federal Environmental Regulatory Commission, but they're they're busy up here in Siskiyou County. California has 58 counties. I've tried to get to everyone, and I keep traveling up and down this state to win everyone's vote, and that's how I'm going to win this. But I've been traveling for the last 18 months throughout this state, trying to get to every city. Talk about expensive with gas the way it is out here in California. It's getting it's inching its way up to $6. But I keep traveling statewide. And when I was up in Siskiyou County, FERC, the Federal Environmental Regulatory Commission, is tearing down dams. Yep. We've got four beautiful dams up there that they're tearing down. And, Dave, it's not just here in California but this is happening in other states as well. So I got to, I feel like I have to get elected because we have got to basically defund and get rid of these bureaucracies that are costing you and I an arm and a leg, $15,000 plus a year. And then think about inflation now. I believe this is nationwide. You know, our our bill for groceries when we go to the store, especially here in California, the bill is like 20% inflation. I mean, it, we're just paying two, three times what we used to pay when we go Correct. to the store. I, I, bought a, I bought a loaf of bread the other day, Dave, and it cost me almost four fifty to buy a loaf of sourdough bread. I'm thinking I need to cut back on that. Intake. Yeah, I, I'm, I understand. I, I'm understanding what you're saying. By the way, have you talked to uh, our uh, our state representative uh, uh, in uh, Bruce Westerman, who is on the he's the chairman of the House uh, Natural Resources Committee? He's been dealing. No, but I should. Yeah, you need to talk to him. We've been talking to okay. him for a long time about you know forestry and all the other things. He's he's the only. Uh, congressman whose degree 
is uh, from uh, one of the East uh, School uh, Universities that has his degree in forestry. Wonderful. Well, you know what? I'll call him. I'd love to get his endorsement. We have got to. The people in Arkansas understand what what people here in California are beginning to understand. Remember, I've been educating people statewide on this for the last, what, almost, you know, for almost two years. But anyway, uh, someone from the Trump team had told me, you know, Denise, to defeat the Democrats in this state, you need to start early. And you need to get to every county, and you need to try to get to every city in the state. So that's what I've been doing. But getting back to my point, I want to get legislation passed so that states will be required to have enough water infrastructure so that we don't have a problem providing water to our farmers and ranchers, so we don't have a food shortage problem. And this is ridiculous. I don't know if you have this in Arkansas or not. But the DIMS regulators here in California made it illegal for us to even have a rainwater capture system so that people could... They tried it here. It didn't work. Good. Well, thank God. I'm thinking everybody that wants a rainwater capture system on their property should be able to have one. Absolutely. It's illegal. And so, and again, look at California. I mean, we're providing all this food for the nation. But let's, let's pivot. Let's go to something else. So where I come from here in California, I don't, I don't just live around a bunch of farmers and ranchers. We're really big where I live on oil and gas. So the other thing I'd like to get done on day one is I want to start working with those Republicans in the United States Senate and in the House to get some legislation passed that will get us back to energy independence. So my advanced degree uh, is in political science, international relations, Middle Eastern affairs. And what I learned having top secret clearances is the importance of the fossil fuel industry. For example, in our country, under Democrats, we've gotten a lot of oil from the Middle East. And guess who's controlling the Strait of Hormuz? If you look at a map, that oil and, and gas that's coming from places like Saudi Arabia and Iraq, where California's gotten most of its fossil fuel supply, that Strait of Hormuz is controlled by Iran. Yeah, that's so why we got the we, Seventh Fleet there to keep it open. That's right, sir. Exactly. So think about this. Your audience, think about this. Back, ladies and gentlemen, you remember back in the 70s, we had those long gas lines. Yep. We, we, it's not just, Dave, it's not just an economic issue. It's, it's also a national security issue. How many of your listeners, I imagine many of them understand, the United States military, over 80% of it is run on fossil fuels. Yep. When we, when we helped the Allies win the Great War in World War One. You know, one of the things that the British, you know, made sure the rest of the world understood was they rose to victory on a wave of oil. And guess where they got it? They got over 80 percent for the United States of America. We took care of our allies. We took care of our allies in World War II. When we have the next major war, which won't surprise me, knowing the limitless friendship treaty that China and Russia have signed uh, last year, 
we're going to have to be energy independent. So it's an economic issue, but even more, I mean, this is probably the most important thing to wrap your head around. It is a national security issue. And I'm, and I'd like to, I want your listeners to understand, you know, that war in Ukraine is so unnecessary. If we had been saying to our allies in Europe, and by the way, Japan is now looking to buy oil from Russia. That, that is just the wrong position for an ally of the United States to take. We shouldn't have any ally of the United States giving a dime to America's adversaries. We should be in a place, Dave, where we are absolutely able to supply the fossil fuel needs. We have the cleanest production in the world. And on top of that, we have a little system called CCUS, Carbon Capture Utilization and Sequestration. We could literally cap carbon being emitted off of a rig or a refinery. We could process that. We could even sell that to a poor third world country that wants more than anything to have an electric grid and get their people out of huts and into regular buildings where they can run an electric grid that can that could only reliably ramp up and wrap down in cold weather and in heat. All right, back with you. Let's finish up our uh, uh, interview with Denise here on the Dave Ellswick Show. She wants to fill that seat that's going to be vacated after uh, this year by Feinstein. And uh, she's going to have to beat a couple of Democrats to be able to do it. One of them is going to have to be Schiff. All right, Mm -hmm. and... uh, Shifty shift, as I call him here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have you here, Denise. Uh, Thank you, Dave. I mean, you're right. You're right on about everything that you're talking about. How's your message being uh, accepted out there? And of course, I call it the the land of fruits, flakes, and nuts. And nuts. Yeah, I understand that, sir. I, you know, the Republicans out here just love it. It's really, you know, when you talk about wanting to get water infrastructure build an estate that's responsible for growing food and people are sick of the high grocery bills each and every week or month that they go shopping you know it resonates with democrats and independents when you talk about making the united states of america in energy independent because there's no way we can win the next war if we're not we can't defend the united states of america and we can't help our allies remain free without it when i talk about school reform by the way this is so important and this is another reason why parents and grandparents here in 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 our state in california but also in other interviews i do across the country it's resonating we need to take back the gop for the you know we need to take back the united states senate for the gop because for example a lot of, you know, children here in our state especially are being taught to be confused and anxious about their gender. So suicide is up. Math and reader, reading scores are way down. And we're, we've got children that are getting depressed and anxious in grammar school, if you can believe it, Dave. Right. Precious children that are, are anxious and feel worried and upset because they're 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 concerned about the teacher questioning 
you know, who they are as these little people. Mm-hmm. Are they a boy or a girl and, 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 and they're worried and upset? We should be focused on STEM classes, science, technology, engineering, math, reading, writing. Uh, we've got to have an educated a next generation that can compete on the global stage. So another thing I'd like to do, in addition to getting water infrastructure mandated, in addition to uh, making America energy independent, I want to get legislation passed, working with the senators and the House of Representatives, to make sure that we have school choice. You know, there's nothing like competition in the free market, right? Teachers in the public school should have to compete with teachers in, in a home co-op, uh, in, in uh, charter schools and parochial schools and strong academic uh, institutions. They should have to compete. A parent or the custodian, the caregiver of that child should absolutely be able to put that child in their care or their child in an excellent so that they can maximize their learning opportunity. You know, we're, we're doing that. that. We're doing that here in Arkansas with the LEARNS Thanks. Act. Yes, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I just applaud her and everything that she's getting done. By the way, I have one more thing I want to talk about before I have to, we have to close, but can I ask your listeners, you know, I will fight to get our state as well as our country to a place where those we have lower taxes, we end these regulations, we end inflation by getting fossil fuels back on track. And I ask them to go to denisegarypandle.com Absolutely. and make a contribution. Denise is spelled with a C, D-E-N-I-C-E, Gary, G-A-R-Y, Pandle, P-A-N-D-O-L.com. If your listeners could go to Denise, GaryPandle.com, make a contribution today that will help so the other the other thing i want to talk about real quick before our time is up got one minute is, okay we've got to close the border it's a humanitarian issue it's also a national security issue when i had top secret clearances and oh by the way i'm the only candidate that's had national security credentials when we look at the number of people coming over that are tied to either Islamic terrorism or they're tied to other criminal networks. I mean, here in California, we've got the Russian mafia, we've got Chinese that are involved in sabotage operations against our state and our nation. You know, we have over a million veterans in our state and we've got almost, I believe it's over 32 military bases in the state of California. And, uh, and of course, you just heard on the national news that they arrested, you know, two United States sailors, you know, Americans, but from China that were spying on the United States Navy and passing that information on. Denise, I'm I'm running out of time. Let me have you give that, give that, give that website again. Yes, sir. Denise, D-E-N-I-C-E. Gary, G-A-R-Y, handle, P-A-N-D-O-L dot com. Denise, Gary, panel, please make a contribution. I've got to defeat Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, and Barbara Lee out here in California, and I will work tirelessly and fearlessly to help the nation as well as our state. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.